Gracious God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the voices of children in our midst. Lord, help us to not be anxious parents and to know that everyone loves them and is so happy that they're here with us. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have two kids, so I always want to make everybody relax when I'm preaching. Um, So I don't want to run away from what I uh, call just the divorce gospel, but um, I want to start this morning by talking to you a little bit about the reading from Hebrews. Um, So it's just this short opening bit. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors and in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these days, he has spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things through whom he also created the world. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful, powerful word. So often when I worked as a hospital chaplain, I would walk into what I always thought were the world's worst Bible studies. Um, And what I mean by that is people often end up in the hospital and they're not prepared for it. So um, about 36 hours in, they've stopped watching television and they don't have any reading material. And so what do they usually ask for? A Bible, right? And it's Texas, so we have those. So people get a Bible really quickly. Um, And then they're like, well, I'm going to read it. So where do people start when they start reading the Bible, especially people who haven't read the Bible a lot? Do they start with, for God so loved the world? Do they start with, uh, we love because he first loved us? No, 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 no. They start with Genesis, right? So they open up to Genesis, and they get this really encouraging story about Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the garden. Um, And then they're like, what's Exodus about? So they turn to Exodus, and they're like, this is really long. And then they're like, maybe there's something encouraging in Leviticus. And then that's when I would walk into the room, and they would hear Chaplin, and they would be like, what is this book that they've given me? Um, So they would ask me things like, who is this angry Old Testament God, and what does he have to do with Jesus? Um, So these were questions. I was a very new chaplain, and I got them probably two or three times a week. So I had to develop an answer. Um, So while I think that this passage from Hebrews actually backs me up a little bit, I would say that my answer is uh, not academically sanctioned at all. I believe that the Bible is a love letter from God from beginning to end. Okay, So in the beginning, we get Adam and Eve in the garden, and they cannot follow the one rule they've been given. They're like, well, we'll, we've got this, God. We're totally going to follow this one rule. And then they totally don't, right? So they get the boot, right? And then God gives the commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai, right? And the people are like, we got this, God. There's only 10 of these. We can totally do these. And then they totally don't, right? They can't hold it up. So then we get to the prophets. um, And in Jeremiah, one of my favorite books, we hear that God writes the law on his people's hearts, okay? And the people are like, great, heart tattoo. There's no way we can forget this, right? This is going to stay with us. And then they don't. And so God's like, I'm just going to have to come down there myself because you're not pulling this off. Um, And so he does. He sends us um, himself in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, So in that moment, our love letter from God is exposed, right? It is wonderful, and it is complicated. 
So we hear from Jesus um, in this morning's gospel, and he has some hard words for us about love, uh, specifically about divorce. So I know lots of people, and I'm sure you do too, who have gotten married after divorce, um, who have gotten remarried, and they are honestly some of the most Christian marriages I know in terms of offering forgiveness and grace. Um, And I think that is because things have fallen utterly apart for these two people, and they've been through divorce and probably feel like they've lost everything. And then miracle of miracles, right, they meet another person and they risk human love again. So while Jesus' words here about divorce and remarriage are harsh, I think what Jesus is trying to tell us about divorce is what he's trying to tell us about marriage, is what he's trying to tell us about all the laws that we have been given. And that is that not following them makes our lives really hard. Divorce, Jesus wants us to know, was never a part of the original plan. It causes pain and heartache, relief and remorse. But we know that, right? Because our parents are divorced. For some of us, our grandparents are divorced. And for many of us, we ourselves have been divorced. And Jesus has come both to acknowledge our failure and to rescue us from it, right? Jesus and his death on the cross are the completion of this love letter from God. He loved us all the way as much as anyone has ever loved anyone else and then some. So love letters from old boyfriends are kind of lame. Um, I found some recently, which was a really lovely gift for my mom, a box that showed up. Um, They are full of empty promises and no reality, and they seem to have this expectation of the other person that they'll be this person that I, I don't think I ever was. It's fascinating. But not our love letter from God, right? It is the greatest record of our sin and God's grace that we could ever imagine. He pursues us with, an, with a merciful and an unmatchable fervor. So too often we think we have to hide truths about ourselves from God. Failed marriages, depression, financial issues. But God wants truth from us. Jesus wants us to be honest about our worst. Because that's how he redeems it. So... One of my favorite things to do in my ministry in St. Martin's, I might even say my favorite thing to do in my ministry at St. Martin's, is to visit this one lady um, in a memory unit. And I don't know if she has, um, I don't don't know what her diagnosis is, but um, she hasn't been in our church in 15 years, so she's been in in this memory unit a long time. And she's so far gone that most of what she says doesn't make much sense. But, but the best part about visiting her is that um, I always do communion with her, a brief service, and she always says something amazing every single time. It's like the only clear moment we get, and it's like right around the service. So a few weeks ago, I was reading through the short service, and I was saying the Lord's Prayer, and she's so far gone that like she, she doesn't, you know, she's supposed to say it with me, and she doesn't even know the words, right? So I say it. And then she stops me right after I said it. And she points over and she makes this awful face and she goes, 
she points at the Lord's Prayer and goes, that's kind of a frowny face for me. And I was like, what? And so I, um, I, I wanted to respond carefully. And, um, and so I just said, really? And she goes, yeah, I don't like that one. And I was like, okay. And so I tried to like, think about like, a careful theological response to her. So I said something like, you know, that's okay. Uh, it's okay to share your words with God. God can redeem it. I said something like that. And then she looks at me and she goes, sorry. She goes, I know. That's how I know I'm home. So this morning, let's bring our honesty and our sins and even our disdain for certain prayers to the altar because God through Jesus Christ loves us, redeems us, gives us rest, and brings us home. Amen.